You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Everybody, as we roll right along here in 2022, we've got the program coming up in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. Locally owned in Sacramento for over 20 years, New Works has a fix for you. They are available around the clock 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs and repairs. And all you need to do is go to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. New Works Plumbing, they've got a fix for you. Again, that's N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. Well, earlier today, I had a great conversation with Sean Salisbury on No Filter Network, and we pretty much covered everything. Happy New Year, Sean. Good to talk Happy to you, buddy. Year. How you doing, my man? I, I'm doing good. It's so great to have you. We got so much shit to talk about. I want to back up to New Year's Eve. I want to go over this college football playoff scenario. I... I I want to start with Cincinnati. I didn't think they should be in the college football playoff based on their schedule. I'm okay if you want to expand the playoffs and include a Cincinnati, but they clearly to me were not one of the best four teams all year. I think you have a little bit of a different opinion. Their only win that was relevant was at Notre Dame. The rest of their schedule was Cupcakesville. And, you know, once again, we got a bad semifinal game. Alabama had no problem with Cincinnati, and that was Cincinnati's chance, Sean, to step up on the big stage. They weren't only playing for themselves. They were playing for other universities, other programs like themselves. And now, eh, doesn't look good for the future. So let's talk with that. Let, let's let's start with the Alabama-Cincinnati game. I want your thoughts. Yeah, I Grant, I'm listen, I understand why the, I don't want to say smaller schools, but those that aren't, well, Power 5 schools get an opportunity to play in a Final Four. We posted, I mean, college football put this situation in. They were undefeated. They rose up, and it would have probably been more controversy had they left them out under the circumstance. So I'm okay with it, but I agree with you. And, and we both knew that physically the line of scrimmage, hanging with the team for four quarters, was going to be tough, and they were going to have to play their best game they've ever played to be in the game. And Alabama didn't really need to throw it that much. I mean, it was a very old-school Nick Saban win, great defense, run the football, and the quarterback just made sure he did the right thing. And and it was I all respect for Cincinnati, but if you said, Sean, are they, and we both agreed with this, but even after watching that, are they one of the four best teams in the country? 
And the answer is no. But they got there because, well, the system's set up that way. But if we're all looking at it just with the eye test and the schedule, and it, put it this way, if the computer was voting on this like it did back in the BCS, yeah. Cincinnati would not have been in the, the Final Four. It's not right. taking anything away from their success, but that's just the reality of the situation. They've got a bunch of NFL players on that roster, but the overall, the depth of it, and 85 men, the rest, and, and, and the, the people they, they get, they recruit, unlike the Sabins or the Clemsons or what Jimbo Fisher's doing, is just not enough. And they would have had to have Alabama play okay and then play the best game and get a couple turnovers and block a punt. And I, I get that that can happen, but lining up against them, if they played 25 times, Alabama's going to win every time. Well, and then you have Michigan and the fucking Big Ten. I don't want to hear about the Big Ten anymore. They had another opportunity to go head-to-head with the best of the SEC, and they got manhandled. I mean, they got absolutely manhandled. And, you know, if I'm looking at this, again, Big Ten, just pipe down, would you please? Until you show me that you can beat the best of the SEC, I don't want to hear about the superiority of your conference. It's not there. Yeah, I was disappointed, but I almost expected – I mean, the physical part – I was a little bit alarmed how they got pushed around. I mean, I would have never thought, well, Hutchinson saw a team that's got a bunch of NFL dudes up front and saw what it's going to be like every Sunday. Now, I think he's going to be a hell of a player. You can't – you've got to judge his body where people have bad games. But he he got he got handled pretty well in that. He's their best player. And they got a lot of good players too. But, Grant, I was – you know, the thing that bothers me, and it's a regular basis, all – and I don't know and, – and, you know I love Jim Harbaugh. I'm a big Harbaugh family fan. But and whoever's coaching the situation, but situation. But have you ever noticed that every four and five star quarterback that goes to Michigan that's supposed to be a top ten player in the country at his position when he leaves high school, they don't get better. Or they're so they're muffled to the point where they hand the ball off so much state that that they almost go into it saying, dude, you do not have to win this game for us. And I don't like that going in. I don't, I've known Jim a long time, and I know what kind of a competitor he was. But it's almost like Jim wants to mold his quarterbacks like he played. And that's okay, but it's a different time. Jim was a grinder and tough as 100-year-old leather and would get after it and die for first downs in the second quarter, let alone the fourth. But I just I, – I, the, the, McNamara's got a good arm, but they always – there's always some big play or the ability to carry a team. I go through. I can sit here and list player after player after player that was a elite eleven top high school recruit. And for some reason, when they leave Michigan, something isn't right. Or while they're there, I guess is what I'm saying. They just they, they don't develop. You know what I'm saying? Develop players just go in a five star and come out a monster. They always have good arms and they can play. But they'll either transfer schools, McCaffrey and Milton, or they'll bring a guy in, or they'll have they'll be playing two freshmen and then play a sophomore so one doesn't transfer. I just never see the quarterback position on a weekly basis dominate a game like you have to do in major college sports, in big high school games, and in the NFL. And there's something missing, and I get disappointed about the Michigan playing in games like that, they always have a clunker throughout the year, and they pick the wrong time. Now, Georgia's a hell of a team, and they, they sure didn't pout over their Alabama loss the, the, the three weeks they were getting ready right. for it. But a quarterback doesn't seem to ever carry Michigan to victories. They'll make some throws when you're dominating, but I rarely come up here and say, you know what, if it wasn't for that Michigan quarterback, man, they would have. They had no shot to win. And I don't know why it is, but it's almost like they're muffled in their game where they never get better 
and it bothers me. And sometimes they seem to get worse while they're there. And I know Jim's better than that, so I don't know if it's their philosophy or what. But until that guy's there, there's too many teams that can play with you in the running game and defense. That's the set. Look at Alabama against Auburn, against Georgia the first time. The separator was Bryce Young. The separator last year was Mac Jones. Before that, it's the quarter, three quarterbacks at Ohio State the last time they're winning. I mean, you go on and on and on. That guy, you've got to have at every level. And Michigan has the guy going in from high school, but he never seems to be the guy coming out. And if I was a quarterback right now, I'd have to think long and hard about, am I going to get better playing at the University of Michigan? It's weird because I know Jim knows how to coach it. All right, we'll talk about the national championship game on Thursday. Uh, I wanted to get to the NFL, and I want to start with Antonio Brown. I've been very consistent about this on my rants, my podcast, my radio show back in Sacramento. I've been saying for years that I have felt that Antonio Brown does not belong in the National Football League. In my opinion, he's lost his privilege. He's lost his right to play in the NFL with his repeated behavior, his actions both on the field and off the field. What happened on Sunday is a travesty for the National Football League uh, listen, I have all the respect in the world for Bruce Arians. He's at the leader of diversity and everything else. He's a hell of a coach. He's very well respected by his players. But I said this a week ago or two weeks ago. I'm going to say it again. I think he comes off looking really bad here by retaining Brown after the fake vaccination card when a year ago he said one more mishap and he's gone. But what we saw on Sunday against the Jets was an absolute embarrassment, not only for the Buccaneers, but for the National Football League. And I better never see Antonio Brown on an NFL field again, Sean. And you know, right now, there's somebody in the back room somewhere going, hmm, you know what, maybe maybe we can fix him. Maybe we can make him, you know, because he is talented. Better never happen. This guy better never play again in the NFL. Well, you know, what's crazy, Grant, is first off, if I was a coach, a general man, somebody asked me earlier today, and I said, I'm show, I, I have no interest in Antonio Brown as a player. Yet what's sad is he's put up Hall of Fame numbers um, and could have been a lot more. Don I mean, he was so good and could have put up no-brainer Hall of Fame numbers had he had just finished his career the right way. Um, and I, I don't want him. I, when people say, well, he could be the difference. No, difference, no. It's the headache's too large for me to deal with the talent. The migraine's bigger than the talent is now. Uh, I and Bruce Arians, who I love as well, and you're right, the forefront of diversity and gender, all, all those things which I'm, uh, I'm big on. Bruce, and he kind of admitted it, really by saying, well, no, we're doing what's best for our team when he brought him back. When he knows he shouldn't, he went against his, his own rules, right? And, you know, Bruce is that cool bastard everybody likes with the hat, and Bruce appeals to the player, but make no mistake, he'll call you out too. Now, I'd be really, really pissed. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd lose a little respect if all of a sudden they brought him back. Now, here, here's the deal. He's not banned from the league, and Grant, you know this. You see, I said sitting in the back room. So, will he ever play again in the NFL? I don't know. Um, has he lost his privilege? Should, but he still has the privilege if somebody wants to sign him. Because it is not a right to play; it is a privilege. Make zero mistake about it, and you know this. And it's not being on a high horse or look at A, B, and you know, people listen. I don't know if, when it comes to COVID, what does everybody say when somebody who's not a scientist speaks out on it? Well, let the science, you're no doctor. Well, quit telling me that every time he makes a mistake, it's CTE, depression, or mental health issues. And it may very well be, but if, if we got to approach it all the same, I'm going to let a doctor decide if CTE is part of his problem, or if his wires are crossed wrong, or if mentally there's something, or something wrong, or what his diagnosis is. But it isn't, it doesn't take a, 
a doctor to see from a distance that something's not right there emotionally or mentally, whatever it is, Grant, if it's something that's 20 years old, something's not right with AB, whether that, whatever it is, but you also, in order to get help, you got to want to get help. You got to be willing to, and I don't know what it is. It's like an it's like somebody who's an alcoholic. Right. You you got to admit it and want help. If somebody's got mental issues or hits their rock bottom, you you got to you got to want to change. You got to want to change if you can. And maybe somebody else, a lot smarter than me, or a lot more focused in on that, can help. So I'm very compassionate to mental health. It's nothing to laugh at. Depression, all those things, whatever the wires are that are crossed, it's above my pay grade. But we know, I mean, all these things in his career don't happen because he's just a, he just beats to a different drum. No, 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 no. no. And accountability, you're, you can be held accountable and be compassionate. They, they, are, they are tied at the hip. They, they are. So I can be, ask for accountability, but also ask people to be compassionate. What he did, to me, is the most inexcusable sin you can do to a player. Aside from steal from him in the locker room is to walk out on a teammate. He knew exactly what he was doing. It has nothing to do with it, the bottom line is he obviously craves attention. He and maybe he's just one of those guys you say is he just is he just a a guy who always seeks trouble. I don't know. Sometimes it follows guys around. I'd never touch him again as a player and it's sad because anytime I've interviewed him which is I think a couple times he's always been very kind and funny and but you never know what goes through a guy's mind. I don't know why he's like this, but he's been hey. – uh, but I'm not making excuses for him either. I would not have him back, and he let his team no. down. It was inexcusable. The people that talk about his talent are people that have never been in a locker room before. You right. can't have a guy like that in your locker room. You can't have a guy that you have to worry about week to week whether or not you can depend on him and whether he's going to be there for you. I mean, he quit on the Steelers. He quit on the Raiders, quit on the Patriots. And what he did on Sunday against Tampa, again, you know, the dynamic of a locker room, which you know better than I, I have a different perspective at it from a member of the media. Uh, I can't go back to my little college lacrosse days. It's not the same. But my, but, but you, want, you know where I'm going with this. That dynamic in a locker room, once it's severed, once it's broken, really prevents you from getting to where you want as an organization. You can't have that in your locker room and have everyone together on the same page. It creates too many problems. And that, that's another reason why you can't have him on the team. Yeah, and I, you, you are 100% correct. I, I want him, whatever the help is that he needs, or whatever, it's like I said, then I hope he gets it. Because right now his football career doesn't mean shit to me. It's about, is, can he, he's in his 30s, Grant. He's got a whole life to live. Right. And But part of the problem, too, is you saw after the vac, fake vax card when people asked him questions, he blamed the media for creating right. the drama. The problem with Antonio Brown from a distance and not a psychological thing, because I don't fucking know, but I know one thing. I'm not right. I don't run a fucking NFL babysitting service, and neither does Bruce Arians, and nor should they. At times, teams have, right. and that's the problem. Mike sure. Tomlin, good, good gracious, for nine years he had to endure some of that, and, and I know some of it probably along the way. We've all at some point in time, because I've been on a radio show or TV show saying, man, he only did that. Being in the past, I'd sign him. He's a good player, right? But they start to add up, and, we, and, and you don't want to be an enabler. But when you got talent, we do enable guys that are more gifted. We, we've always done it in sports, and it's not right. But with Antonio Brown, it comes a point in time. It's the, like I said, it's the utmost disrespect. He's an I confess he did it guy. I confess it's somebody else's fault. That, that's his approach. Yep. And then when that comes, the first thing we want to do is, oh, he's got some mental, some mental issues. Well, no shit. I don't know what they are or how severe they are, but 
Yeah, you walk out the field in the middle of a game, of course something's not right, either that day or overall. And to me, when you disrespect that and blow it, the trust is too far to come back from, especially judging his track record. One, if that was the first incident, I'd look at it and say, damn, something must not be right. Is something wrong with the family? Is there What's wrong today? And I'd be, listen, but there comes a point in time when you say, here's the deal. If you do this again, you got to go. And if you keep doing it, you got to go. Yep. So somebody I'm sure is contemplating, but Antonio Brown will eventually deteriorate your team as opposed to help it, and that's the problem. We lost a real icon this week in John Madden. When you played in the NFL or your days at ESPN, did your paths cross with John Madden? Plenty of times. My head coach in college, John Robinson, is John Madden's best friend. So I – two things. and So John Robinson, their mannerisms and everything they did. And think about this ultimate sign of respect, Grant for how Robinson and Madden felt about each other. At the end of John Madden's TV career, you know who his spotter was? John, Mad- uh, John Madden's spotter at the end of his career? John Robinson. That's unbelievable. Yeah, for a Hall of Fame, college Hall of Fame, national championship, <laughs> legendary college coach. And quite, ask Eric Dickerson how good John Robinson was running the Rams when he was toting the ball 40 times for 2,000 yards. And then you got John Madden, who – Quickest to you know, all the 100 wins and the highest winning percentage. And, I mean, was only there 10 years. So we don't seem to give him the credit. We do Shula and all that. But for a 10-year run, he was as good as there was. And think about Madden. He's never – Grant, he was a defensive core. He worked at a, at a small college, he and John Robinson both. They grew up wanting to be Yankees and 49ers and do them both as pros. They both ended up as coaches. He was a university at San Diego – I mean, San Diego State's defensive coordinator. Got plucked by Al Davis to go be defensive coordinator with the Raiders for two years hired as a coach in his early 30s, becomes the head coach, walks away on his terms, and is a Hall of Fame coach, goes into broadcasting, walks away on his terms, has the greatest video game ever, put his name on it. He was one of the great pitchmen. When John Madden was doing a commercial, you just tough act in Tanactin or, yep. or, or a hardware store, you felt like you had to have it, right? Light beer for Miller. He's, right. I don't, you know, Grant, I'm being honest about this. I don't know if John Madden's ever been, was ever fired from a job. And that's unique in the, in the career he had. Everything he touched turned to gold. And a saint of a man, but John Madden, John Robinson's mannerisms, you could tell they're best friends because they were exactly the same with the way they went about approaching and hand gestures. And John Robinson gave the greatest pregame speeches ever. So that was it. And I, I was doing Hall of Fame stuff, and John Madden was stage right with me in Canton when somebody else was getting inducted. He was there, and we'd carry on conversations. And John Robinson was always the, you know, part you could have that part of the conversation, a conversation opener, but he, I've never said this. I said it last week, but I don't think I've told this to you, Grant. You know, I didn't play high school football. I mean, I didn't play football until I got to high school. Right. There were three people responsible for me playing football. Two of them know it, one doesn't. And all three of them now have passed away. My father, who encouraged me to just give it a try in high school, my high school athletic director, who's quarterback, whose son, both his sons were quarterbacks before me, one from Cal, one with the Long Beach State, dear friends of mine and two of my best friends in the world were the mentors for me. Their father was our athletic director, phenomenal human being. He used to come watch me years after I was done playing training camp and stand in the corner and, like, watch his prized pupil. You know, he was just a yep. phenomenal human being. And growing up, as you know, Aside from the Trojans, the Raiders are my – I'm a diehard – I, I started playing football because I wore Fred Bullitnikoff white T-shirt 
draw 25 with Belitnikov. I was the wide receiver in the park with my buddies growing up. Yeah, stick them on. From what? What's that? Did you have stick them on too? I didn't need them. I had big enough hands. I was bad. And ironically, Fred Belitnikov came and coached at my high school years after he was done playing football. So, Freddie, I mean, it's just Fred's weird. The, the, Fred's the, the Yes, phenomenal human being. The and the Raider connection. And it was Madden on the sidelines, the Steelers Raiders. So my dad, Coach, uh, I mean, Coach Dick Disney and John Madden around with his Raiders were the reason I chose to play football. Had I not been a Raider fan and my dad said no need to play, I would have never played. So my connection with the Raiders, it was it was felt like my dad, like a friend or a family member passed away. It was a gut punch. Even though he's 85, Madden looked like a guy that would never, I looked at like my dad, like, oh, he's never going to die. That guy can never die, right? It was just I felt like he'd live till he was like he's biblical, gonna live till he's two fifty, two hundred fifty years old, and it was a, a sad day for you know sports world and that, and just for anybody because you can't find anybody says a bad word about him ever. No. And Al Michaels, real quick, you'll love this. Al Michaels, I talked to him last week. I said, Al, any stories we don't know about 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 Coach Madden? He said, Well, Sean, there's a lot of them. He said, one in particular, him and I are out to dinner one night, just him and I. And he goes, Sean, I don't know if you know this. I think you do. He goes, but I don't eat vegetables, and I never have had a vegetable, and I've never eaten an onion, ever. He goes, I can't stand them. He goes, but I love French onion soup. And you're thinking, hey, he goes, I love the broth and the cheese and the croutons, right? He goes, so John and I are out to dinner, and I order the French onion soup with the waiter, and I said, I want the French onion soup without the onions, and Madden looks over at me and says, and only the way Madden can, like, what? You can't have French onion soup. That's, that's not possible. As John would, like he's explaining a play, right? And he said, Sean, if he'd have had the telestrator, he, he would have gone into it. So John, he said, Sean, John needed, not in an arrogant way, but wanted to know everything about everything. When, he, when the Madden game came out, he was hands-on, not a distant guy with his name on it, right? Like some do in a restaurant. He was hands-on. He has the way to go back and get the chef to come out and walk him through how you can actually eat French onion soup without the onion. And he walked him through it, and Madden couldn't believe it. And he, Al said to this day, he said, still makes me laugh, because I can't either. But Madden said, please go get the chef. He needs to tell me how this is possible. And he wanted to know. And Al, when, when Al shared that story, I was crying laughing. But there's a million of those. Everybody has one. But uh, John Madden was unique and I don't know anything that he did that he didn't do better than everybody else. He is he changed. He's the the, the, the greatest analyst as, as far as the game goes. Nobody turned fans on to sports that weren't football fans or kept football fans more than John Madden in the history of any sport at all time. Women wanted to come see it. People who didn't know about it. People who did know about it. He never talked over the ex over the amateur or under the expert. Unique way of making people feel comfortable on air. And he was the standard bearer and the gold standard. And here we are. And yep. we lost him. And it, it was a bummer and unexpected, as you know. But uh, I could go on for days about my Raider, John Madden, John Robinson stories and how they were the same. But what a great friendship they had growing up in Daly City. Phenomenal. That's great perspective, man. I, I just love, love, love those stories. Raiders, obviously. I mean, this is what you play for, you know, the final game of the year to get into the playoffs. I don't want to get carried away on this, but it's it, it, it it's there are certain things that happen during the course of a season where I I just try to like ask myself, well, how does that happen? 
It was two months ago that you had the, the Henry Ruggs tragedy where a 23-year-old lady was burned to death in a car because he was driving under the influence and going 156 miles an hour. The Raiders come home from a trip. They find their nickelback. I say they. The police find Nate Hobbs, okay, the rookie DB, asleep at the wheel, uh, sobriety test, failed it, arrested for a DUI. It's just, you know, I'm just trying to understand how any individual living through what the Raiders have lived through, watching one of their teammates not only take the life of an innocent individual, but ultimately ruining his life, which which may be forever. He may be incarcerated for the rest of his life. We don't know that. I just, there are certain things that are unfathomable to me. Like you just make a phone call. You can have a car pick you up in two minutes and take you wherever you want. And again, I don't want to get carried away on this, but I just, this shit bothers me, Sean. It just, if, 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 if the loss of a life and, the, and watching a teammate of yours ruin their life does not have an impact on you to a point where when you're drinking, you're going to make a different decision, then, then what the hell would, you know? Well, then you, then I, then how can you make any kind of football decision when a bigger life decision that matters more exactly. that you don't, you don't look at and say, good gracious, never happening to me. I'm so sorry for, you know, what's happened to that woman and a teammate of mine's never going to play again more than likely and may never, like you said, see the light of day, depending on what goes on. Who knows? And Henry Ruggs. I don't know how you do it, Grant. I, I don't. I always tell people, I said, why is it that people have to learn from their own mistakes? Why can't you learn from somebody else's, especially somebody that close? You know, you, you, you talk to people, well, that they suffered from it. I, I know a friend of mine whose family alcoholism ran in their family and it was a, a trend and eventually the vicious cycle has to stop when people are dying i'm talking about one after a dad a son who's dying there comes a point in time when you can be the victim which is difficult to, i mean it, it's easy to fall into that trap when it's in the, when, when you've seen everybody do it or the cycle's got to stop because you've watched people suffer along the way in this case and the suffering is so recent i don't know what would make a guy and and it sounds this sounds so biblical or, or or cheesy when it comes to scripture, but it's better to repair, better to prepare and prevent, than it is to repair and repent. And I know that sounds it's not I don't mean it churchy, but that's that's to everything. Why, if you prepare and prevent by thinking about I'm not getting in that situation, here's what I'm doing. I'll have an Uber or whatever it is or a limo, and then get to a point where you say, then you got to if you don't. Then you got to do all the repenting to your people or whoever you've harmed, and then you got the the lifelong problem in certain situations, or a day long, or a week long, or whatever it is of repairing, and preparing and preventing so much better and learning from somebody else's mistakes. I don't know, Grant. I don't know why that happens, but for the Raiders football team to actually be in a position to make the playoffs, I, this is a far less than all the lives and stuff we're talking about. But it's a tribute to them, and I think Derek Carr. I, I, I'm. I think he's disrespected as a football player. I, I don't mean a, some of us. I'm talking about the overall narrative of him. Oh, he should be traded. Derek Carr's damn near single-handedly kept that team going. I mean, when it comes to offense and moving and getting it going. But there's far bigger issues going on with the Raiders, yet they're, gonna, they're looking for – I mean, all these things. And this team beats the Chargers, and they're in the playoffs after all this, which pales in comparison to the off-field stuff from a head coach and players to – it seems like every time we turn around, there's something else wrong with the Raiders. Time for some people to learn from somebody else's mistakes 
instead of always have to learn the hard way on your own. That was, to me, maybe as the most impressive win that they had this year, what they did in Indianapolis against a hot team and the way they did it. You know, you talk about Carr, you know, he had two interceptions. I you know, but, but here's the deal. When the game's on the line, you made a great point. The guy has delivered time and time again this year. So that sets up week 18. You've got the winners going into the playoffs. You're at home. I'd look at this as a fairly even game. I've been a little disappointed with what I've seen in the Chargers in the second half of the season. They've had some bad losses. But this game is going to be, to me, this this is not going to be a lopsided game. I think this is a very close game. I think it's going to be – I think it was – wasn't it 21 nothing? The Chargers earlier in the season when they beat the Raiders, it was either Sunday night or Monday night football in L.A., and then the Raiders came back. They were within a score. They were driving. They had a bad turnover. Don't you, I think this game in the fourth quarter with five minutes left is still going to be up for grabs, Sean. I really do. I agree, and this is a great Oakland Charger rivalry. Both teams in different cities again yep. now, but uh, amazing. And you've got Carr, who, again, is throwing – what's he up around 4,600 yards or something, Grant? He's pushing – he has a monster game. He's pushing 5,000 again. Considering this weapon's been gone, that weapon, Waller gets – I mean, it's crazy. It's freaking crazy. I'm with you. Now, I do know this. While the Chargers have some Bosa, when they're all healthy and Derwin James and the group is on the field, they're damn good. Uh, but you can move the football on them. You, 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 can, you can score some points on them. We've seen it this year. Yep. Herbert's really good. you got to try to control him. But he's another guy who's had another monster season prove he's a great, guy, a great player. I'm looking into this, Grant, and it'll come down to, and you're right, Carr can turn it over twice but finds ways – to throw you back into it and keep you in it late. We see it time and time again. So I'll take that over a guy who doesn't turn it over but can't close for me. Does that close. make sense? you got to be able to close. Yeah, yeah he is a closer. Um, but I'm, I think this may even come down to a f- last team with the ball drive down the field, and you're going to have to take somehow can't let the quarterbacks take over because they are the heart and soul of both of these teams. And I'm keeping an eye on coaching decisions. While I love Brandon Staley, He's made some analytics. Yes. So in this, are you who you are or are you coaching a little different and playing it a little closer to the vest and accepting field goals for the risk of going five times on fourth and one or two? I'm keeping a close eye on a rookie head coach who's really good and dynamic that people love. But what moment does he get caught up in in this game? And it could end up being the difference. Look what it did to Dallas, and he's not a rookie. When to use timeouts, if they are able to use a timeout, that call's reversed, and they may beat Arizona in the game. So while sometimes those don't matter, sometimes they do. And those decisions are costly. It's the same as a player jumping off sides on fourth and one at the two, and now you move it back, and now you got to settle for a field goal, and those points that you could have scored a touchdown end up costing you. Great point. You and I have talked a lot this year about Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And I'm looking at Burrow's development, which was cut short last year because of the injury. These guys are on such a trajectory. You know, when Rodgers is done and Brady and all these, you know, Drew Brees is done, I just, barring injury, I can't see these two guys being, I don't want to say the future because they're the present, but you know what I mean? Being those guys that we look at the same way we look at the players that I just mentioned right now. Don't you think they're that good? Yes, if they're healthy, we are going to have the conversation along with a couple other guys, but for second-year players for the next decade to 15 years of who's had the better career. 
We are. Now, Grant, I, I was asked a question earlier today uh, as a guest, who would you take? It's almost unfair, like two years and a year and a half into Burroughs because of his injury and Herbert. One thing I know is what's not to love about both of them. They both got good players and they make people better. They both, I, I believe when Burrow came into the league that he really, that it wasn't bullshit, that he thinks he's turning Cincinnati into a dynasty. I believe he does think that. Well, not about, you know, I do. I think he thinks, oh, man, it's no big deal. I'll just, I'll have five or six Super Bowls. I think he thinks that, but he's willing to put the time and He's got a set of balls on him. I'm, I'm talking not, not literally, but you get my <laughs> just guts. Because when you say that, people say, well, Sean, when did you shot? No, just the way he, the swagger's not fake. You know, leadership, some, yeah. you just look at him and say, okay, I, I'm going to ride with that cat, right? I, I am. And then Herbert, in a more quiet manner, is not as – just keeps on throwing up numbers, and he's a 6'6 and 235 and can run. They, everything they do, I'm trying to find the, the pick out the negative, and I'm not sure where I can find one. So if you want Burrow, I'll take Herbert. If somebody wants Herbert, I'll take Burrow. I know this. If I said, Grant, three years or longer or five years or longer, between three and 12 years, pick me the five guys you want on your team. Both of those dudes are getting mentioned. Of all the players in the league, you are not going five quarterbacks deep. Right now, if we had a draft of current players in the league and said, we just went down, all 32 teams, the worst of the best, and said, okay, here's where we're going. First five picks. I I'm telling you now, because it would be quarterbacks more sure. than likely, unless, of course, sure. you had one, you just had a down year. Yeah. But assuming we just threw all the players in a pot and nobody's on their same team and said, okay, here we go, and you're, the, and you're picking – Burrow and Herbert will not get out of your top five or six picks of no all the guys in the league. And you're saying, I'll no take way. him. They're getting picked. So no um, I'm winning with both because for different reasons when it comes to their personalities, I love one who doesn't get ruffled, kind of doesn't. Burrow looks like he wants to get in your kitchen, and he's just going to bring them back, and he's got that uh, – there's some it factor. And Herbert does it with a little quieter it, but they both do it. I'm just – I'm fascinated how quickly they've become – household names in the NFL, not, not where they were in That's college right. at Oregon and LSU. It is, it's a phenomenal watch, and I try to find a weakness. I don't see one. I, I honest to God, don't see one. Okay. Accurate, arm strength, leadership. They make players better. They're, they're phenomenal. All right, so let's have some fun right now because you just brought up the draft. So let's talk about this past spring's draft. You had Trevor Lawrence go one. You had Zach Wilson go two. You had Trey Lance go three. We know what Mac Jones has done in New England. If the draft were held all over again tonight. Lawrence, Wilson, Lance. What would change among those top three picks? The, the, the Lawrence, Lawrence, Lance, and Wilson. Or you mean the, the this year's draft class? And yeah, this, this words, year, if you could if you could go back and reduce this draft that saw Lawrence one, Wilson two, and Lance three. If you could start all over again, and the teams could make their picks, what would change? I would you would get Lawrence would still go first because the upside you people would Trevor Lawrence would go first because people would say in their mind if he's coached properly when we get to ten years he's going to turn into something special they wouldn't let a bad football team deter them from saying he's better Mac Jones would be taken second okay it would be Trevor Lawrence first I would take and remember there was a time when people were talking about taking Mac Jones second that they thought about that. I think that the, 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 the question gets to three and four, and, and Fields probably is similar. Those three guys would be, again, those three, Fields and Wilson, 
I think we haven't seen enough of Lance yet to say, well, I got to jump him over the other two because we exactly. still say there's a lot of potential. The first two, it would be Lawrence and Jones because I think we've seen development in Jones and there's a people want to know if he could process the same information without that Alabama receiving core. And he does. Right. He's a good player. But Lawrence would still be first. Now, if you threw Burrow and Herbert into this class from last year, Lawrence would pick be picked third. Then Herbert or Burrow would be one and two. And then they'd go from there. But I, right now, because I'm trying to say, okay, how, would Zach Wilson be better than Trey? It would, be, would he be better in San Francisco? Well, of course he would. But I still got some accuracy things. And there's been talk to Trey Lance. And the reason why they're not as accurate a lot of times as rookies is because they're having trouble processing the mental, mental part, right? So when it goes in. But, you know, I feel, Grant, accurate is accurate. So And Fields is, you know, all three of those guys – Lance has got the best growth opportunities because they're the best team of the three. But Fields has shown flashes, and so has Wilson. You look at him, there's some wow factor moments, but there hasn't been a whole lot of, oh, my gosh. So Mac Jones has had the most, oh, my gosh, moments of those five quarterbacks this year. Oh, my gosh moment. Arizona had one. They got up off the mat. They had really been struggling. That is a huge win to go into Dallas and win. And right now it looks like we might have a Cardinals-Cowboys playoff game next week. The, the, I, I, I'm going to go back and talk about this. I still, when I watch the Cowboys, I still have questions about Prescott. I think he has been subpar in the second half of the year, missing throws. His pocket awareness to me, Sean, I don't, it doesn't look right to me. It, it seems to me for a guy with his experience should have better pocket awareness. I think he's holding on to the ball at times too long. I, his awareness does not seem to be there and he still is missing throws, which you can't miss when the playoffs start. What do you see when you watch Dak Prescott play right now? You know what he looks like, Grant? And you know I'm a major Prescott supporter. Yep. But I can't, I can't battle with you on this one. Now, the week before, he played it out of his mind, right? I mean, but the inconsistency, because I, if you told me at the beginning of the year he's healthy and going in and a month into the season, I would have said Prescott's a top five player in the league. He just is. But for about the last eight weeks – Grant, there's been, he's taken a step back. You know what it looks like to me? And I, I, I'm, I'm hoping he's not, that there's not something going on. I feel he would, if I didn't know better, I'd be looking saying, is, is he injured? You, yeah, you know what I'm saying? About that. We talked about yeah. that two weeks ago. Right, we did, and you brought it up. And, and, and the more I watch him saying, because it's like, dude, this tip ball or the pocket where you'd slide and make that guy miss and then throw, there seems to be – I guess what I'm saying right now, Dak seems to be a step behind in his decisions, which isn't like him, and a, and a, and a, a foot more inaccurate. Now, I'm hoping for him this is just an aberration because I've seen enough good stuff over his career that I'm like, damn, that dude's a friggin' monster. And now he's got more weapons than he knows what to do with on the field when they're all out there. I'm like, dude, I don't know if you're feeling pressure because you signed that contract. I don't know. But something doesn't feel as smooth that I'm used to seeing with him. It just doesn't go as smoothly. It's like when he used to drop back, like, of course he's going to put the ball somewhere to be caught because he's really accurate with the football. And something's not right. Now, can he go on and run and, and gain all that? Yes. Something's either missing the decision, something's either not right, or he's just going through that slump coming off the injury from last year. But I don't want to make excuses for him. He's, be he's better than this. He can't play like this. And we and expect with all these great quarterbacks in the NFC, plays like this, they'll be, they'll be one and done. They, they will yes. be done. There's a difference between some of the things that are going on. Like when you watch Rodgers right now, it's just – and Burrow. It's like, oh, yeah, there's a no-brainer. 
And Prescott was felt like Burrow before Burrow would make decisions and accurate and lead his team. And it was never him that I thought was going to be the reason. Right now, there are times when I can look and say, if he doesn't play better, they won't win as good as – and he's got a defense too, finally. You've got some defensive players. The Cowboys should be better. They should be as explosive as any offense in the league, capable of it. But you're right. I, Dak has been – a little bit as far as the consistency goes. He can be spectacular. You're going to need to be more consistent in the postseason or you'll be out in January. Thinking about being out, you know, you got the 49ers now against the Rams. I don't see them beating the Rams, even though they have owned the Rams. And it looks like you're going to have Trey Lance. And you're going to get a much better idea about Lance going into the offseason. And I'm not – listen, if, if New Orleans loses, the 49ers can still make the playoffs if they lose. But the point I'm trying to make is – now you have the Rams playing for the division. This is a big game for them. You have the 49ers. Lance was very shaky in the first half on Sunday against Houston. I like the way he played on the drive leading up to the half. I thought they gave him confidence to the second half. He looked a lot better. But now we're going to get a much better read, I think, on Lance coming in on Sunday. The Niners, they're getting screwed by what could be a three-way tie because they beat Philly earlier in the year in Philly but if they end up in a three-way tie, that doesn't matter. They would be out. So I'm looking at the Niners as a good team, Sean. I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs. I'm with you. I don't have a good enough read on Lance. I think we're going to learn a lot more about him on Sunday. Yeah, when it comes to a three-way tie, head-to-head is not the first tiebreaker, right? right? Yep. And and so that it's dangerous. They put themselves in this position. Uh, if Jimmy's healthy, I'd play Garoppolo. Lance. I mean, I if, if he's – if he was oh, yeah. ninety, if he was ninety percent or better, if they can practice this week and he looks like he can make all the throws with your naked eye, you play Jimmy. Just okay, because. Stop! Stop! How on earth? You, talk to me. You've been there. I'm sure you've hurt your thumb before. I don't know if you've ever had a torn ligament and a broken thumb. But how I on have. earth could you possibly? Okay, so talk to me. How on earth could you throw the football with that type of an injury on a thumb? How does that happen? Well, if it's torn ligaments, because you know we get well, it's the three degree sprain, and it's ligament stretch and something came off the bone threshold of pain has a lot to do with it grant i just hate i hate to say that brett Favre would probably be playing because he's done it a million times i've been around Favre. it's like he probably 30 games in his career had no business playing but that's just who he was right hand a little more some don't i'm not saying jimmy doesn't but i'm saying he i don't think you'd be able to keep him off the field and so the grip is and when people say well what it is it's the doctors because every player is going to say yeah i want to play i would think because you don't want to leave your glove on the mound but doctors and watching, as a coach, I can go tell you in 25 team plays, moving and throwing it during warm-up, how, what it looks like with Jimmy. Adrenaline will kick in in the game, but the ability to strengthen and the grip to hold it with that thumb. I don't know how, if he is able to play, he's either a quick recovery or they got great medicine or it wasn't as serious as we thought. If he can't play, then it's more serious and it's Trey Lance's team. And I wouldn't start Jimmy at 80% because I would think that Lance gives me a better chance in the passing game, right, and with his feet. So, But the mental side of understanding blitz pickups and getting the ball out on time, the biggest factor that Jimmy over Lance is Jimmy's ability. Jimmy will get rid of the ball. The ball comes out quicker. Lance has a tendency to wind up to hold the ball a little longer, and you're not going to be able to do that with Aaron Donald and Von Miller. It's a, you, the ball has got to come out, so you got to be decisive. And in order to be decisive, you have to understand pre- and post-snap read, which Jimmy obviously has an advantage because he's played more and over the course of his career. But they called the perfect game for the second half, got Lance going. I thought he was – if the first half I'm like, Ew. 
I don't like the accuracy. It didn't feel smooth. And then they got the running game going and did run it 37 times, throw it 23, exactly where Kyle Shanahan wants to be. So spectacular Lance. Game game four quarters of just grinding it out and getting it out. Less uh, mental mistakes, I would think, because he's more experienced, is, would be Jimmy. But it's just a threshold of pain, and Kyle should know. I don't need till the end of the week, because if he can't grip it on Wednesday – how the hell is he going to grip it on Friday? And I, I can't go into this game with no reps two straight weeks right. and risk it. Because if worse comes to worse, they say, well, Jimmy may be able to play. Well, then you keep him getting loose on the sidelines. And if Trey's struggling, then maybe you bring Jimmy in to be the hero. Because normally I'd flip it, put Jimmy in, and if it's not working, put Trey in. But I want the start. I want a fast start and get myself going. But, yeah, it's a, it's a tough injury. And the 49ers, they're going to have to play great defense, and run the football. You're going to have to shorten this game because even though Stafford's thrown it to the other team, they are explosive as hell right now. And Trey Lance, I hope mentally going into the week he's calm because North Dakota State, I get it, but Aaron Donald didn't play against North Dakota State. It's a different egg that you're playing against this week, and it's going to be a great time for him to shine, and maybe these are the stages he likes. We're about to find him. He already had him once, right? Didn't he get him once? Wasn't he the quarterback the first time around, or was that against Arizona? Uh, Arizona. Uh, that's right. So he he's getting this team for it's this will be his third start this year, and and Arizona was playing great football the time he did start. So the Rams also. So it's going to be interesting to see if the 49ers can stick to the game plan and if Kyle how close to the vest he plays it because you're going to have to score some touchdowns because the Rams can move the football and they're back in the 49ers secondary. I would expect them to be challenged on the corners, Grant, because their corners are not very good. The AFC changed this past weekend with the number one seed. It looks like it's not going to be Tennessee with Kansas City losing to Cincinnati. I mean, to me, I could see Kansas City going into Tennessee and winning. I could see Kansas City winning anywhere. I mean, if they're in, in rhythm, I could see them winning. But do you think that's a big deal, losing a game like that this late in the season and in the, and, in the process, losing the number one overall seed? I think it's a bit like, I, like if Rodgers or Brady or Mahomes go on the road, I think they can win the whole thing. I, I do. I don't. Now, it's nice, it's nice if you're Rodgers to be home again and all that cold weather, but Brady, good quarterback play and being in that, having that experience, put that to, to, to rest last year. But those three seem like I don't care if you play in the parking lot, they'll be ready to go. I think it's a much bigger deal for Tennessee than I do, it is, than I do think it is Kansas City. And especially if Derrick Henry. If they win this game, which has got to be a you got to treat it like a playoff game you if you're to. playing the Texans and you're the Titans. Derrick Henry gets back, you're on grass, you're at home throughout. He becomes he comes deeper into play. You get to stay at home, you do not have to go on the road. And they are made for that. They're they're I don't their passing attack right now is not made to waltz into to uh, Kansas City and deal with that. So and Tannehill while solid, look at the numbers since him the last four, five, six weeks. 190-some yards, 140-some yards. They're still committed to running it, but it's a lot better in the play-action game when Derrick Henry is your back than somebody else. So this is a monster, monster weekend. Now, Kansas City would love to have it, but Kansas City, I I don't think they – deep down they'd love to be home, but I don't think they care. I don't think there's any intimidation factor. I think the Tennessee Titans, it sets up for – what they're trying to accomplish. I think they need it more than Kansas City does, or quite frankly, maybe as much as anybody in the AFC considering the Derrick Henry situation as well. All right, I want to talk to you real quickly before we go about what's going on with the Rockets. There are very few people that I've met in my 32 years of being in the NBA that I have more admiration and more respect for than John Lucas. I love John Lucas. Share a story. 
probably in the late 80s, might have been around 90, 90. I can't even remember the year. I'm interviewing John Lucas, who was the head coach, I believe, of the Spurs back then. And I'm interviewing him for a halftime segment before the game. And I used the word pressure in a question. And he said, excuse me. He goes, I need to stop you. He goes, let me tell you what pressure is. Pressure is when you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you pray that today is not going to be the day that you have a relapse. He goes, now that is pressure. And then he said, go ahead. And at the end of the interview, I thanked him. And the last time I saw John Lucas was right before the pandemic. And he was sitting on the bench before the game. And, and I was joking and I was there. I said, you know what, John? I said, I still remember what you said to me 30 years ago, like it was yesterday, that that has left such an impact with me. And every time I see John, we talk. And I, I'm, I'm all for John calling out these young players. But I'm, I'm looking from afar. It just seems like now all of a sudden things are looking like they're imploding in Houston. What's going on there with the Rockets? Yeah, and, you know, with the Harden situation, they imploded. They seem to be getting back together. And, yep. and I know that we're in a different age athlete, but obeying rules and doing the right thing never gets old. And it's not old guy off the lawn, John Lucas, get off my lawn. You've got to treat player empowerment. The players run this and screw that. Okay, there are certain things that withstand the test of time, like not leaving your fucking team at halftime. Okay, when it comes to Kevin Porter Jr., he's a USC Trojan. I, you know, okay, my Tro Trojan. Listen, John Lucas. If you get chewed out by John Lucas, consider it an honor. He's care. John Lucas cares about you. Okay, uh, he knows what rock bottom looks like. Maybe instead of run from it, you're pissed on the bench. And I don't know the conversation, but I would imagine John Tough loved him. Yep. John, John's always been to training. He trains like guys to get him in shape here. John looks like they'll play tennis and whoop people still, right? right. They play yeah. basketball. So he trains him, and John doesn't mess around. When you're training, you're working. I, I've talked to five, I've trained kids who go to, who've gone to John Lucas's, you know, getting in shape, and it's like, you don't mess around. And I'm with you. I've had nothing but respect for John Lucas. And while the, 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 this, and let's face facts, the, the, the stars run the NBA. That doesn't mean John Lucas has to sit there and, and Stephen Silas, another guy who I have respect for, his old man was a great basketball player and coach, so he understands basketball DNA yep. too. Yep. So for me, and think what Stephen Silas had to endure with, since he's been at the, the hard thing. Oh, my thing. God, are you kidding Billy me? Billy Westbrook. Christian Wood now decides he doesn't want to go into a game because he broke a rule, which, dude, it's a rule. Go get your COVID test. Whether you like the protocol or not, go get your test. And then Kevin Porter Jr., they get in an argument, decides he wants to leave at halftime. Again, how many times are we going to go over this? It's not okay for you to take your ball and go home at halftime of an NBA game. And they gave him one day suspension. I love Stephen Silas. I said it on my show this morning, while I understand you're trying to change culture, to me, uh, while I like that they suspended him for the game last night, he and Christian Wood, it would have been a deeper suspension if I was in – I would have said one game is not enough. What that is, I think, I think it's, it's dealing with the players, players association. association, the precedent. You know that. And I said that too. I said the problem with saying I'm going to do 10 games right. is the Players Association would say, oh, no, you're not. Right. It's got to fit. It's got to. It's got to fit this. Yet, is there anything worse than walking out on your team at halftime because you couldn't take it and ask you and from one of the great names in sports? I mean, it just to me, who, 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 when John Lucas quits talking to Kevin Porter Jr. or another guy on that team, guess what you should do? You should write them think. Well, there goes that interest. That guy doesn't have an interest in me. So, yep. yeah, I hope it doesn't implode. 
Stevens, poor guy, man. I'd love him just yep. to be able to coach basketball for a year. As a, and it's not like he's been a head coach for 20 years and can deal with, like, Pop or somebody else. He's trying to get teams to win, let alone have to deal with, oh, you decided not to come back after halftime? You got in your car and drove home? I or I come to you and you, I ask you to play and you're, you're not going to play? What? I mean, it's no. like, well, who, who does that? So I understand that, that, that I guess it's good for unions that they could prevent that. But I said – I would see. I would have wanted to get rid of him at the spot, but I know they're young, and I don't want to hear if he's old enough to cash a check. He ain't too old to, to too, too young to abide by the rules. You don't walk out on your team. But now they got to go fix that, Stephen Sinus. But I do love the fact that he says we're doing things different here, and if I don't see the effort I like, then we're going to change things. But he's got. They've got some good young players. Um, but Christian Wood needs to get back stepping up the leadership, and Kevin Porter Jr. needs to sit there and face the music when you get your ass chewed. It's a novel concept. It's happened since the, the, we started playing sports, and uh, it, it ain't the last time. When it is, you're probably out of the league. So there you go. Yep. Hopefully they'll fix it because it's tough on Steven Sides. He's not coaching basketball right now all the time. He has to babysit at times too, which is ridiculous. Awesome. Well, next time we're on, let's talk NFL playoff uh, scenarios this weekend. There are a couple of them. We'll break down the – Georgia Alabama game. Uh, we got a lot going on this coming up weekend, man. Great show. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it, it's just so much shit to talk about. I love this. I, we could, we could talk for hours and hours. And oh, hours, you can. And still not, and still not covered all. And keep, keep this in mind coming into Thursday when we do the next show. Yep. Stetson Bennett could be the difference in this game. We'll talk on Thursday about, uh, all the talk of he's just a guy, Grant. I've watched him pretty closely. He's more than just a guy. And that's I think that's why George is favored. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Not that he's better than Bryce Young, but I don't think gamblers are looking at Stetson Bennett as just a guy who can't make a play. Keep an eye on that for him because you're going to have to do something in the passing game to beat Alabama. Bennett, Bennett, Bennett may be more than, uh, than people think in this game. I can't wait to discuss it, man, and I'll see you on Thursday. Sounds great, man. Have a great rest of the day. Appreciate you it. too. Happy New Year, brother. Yep, you it's time for Brent's rant, rant, rant. And today's rant is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella for all of your home loan needs. Just go to roysumbrella.com. Roy is awesome. And if you own a home and you're looking to buy a new home, Roy is still offering a one-hour free consultation. Take him up on this great opportunity. Just go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. Well, we've got Alabama and Georgia playing for the national championship to two best teams in college football. They sure as hell didn't include Cincinnati and Michigan. Michigan, I've got no problem with. They had a tough schedule, and they earned the right to be in the college football playoff. They didn't show up against Georgia. But then there is Cincinnati, and I've been saying all year I didn't think Cincinnati deserved to be among the final four teams. I mean, what did Cincinnati do that earns them a right to play in the semifinals, they had one tough game. Yeah, they won it at Notre Dame, but their schedule was vanilla and it was cupcake. They get blown out against Alabama. They showed they don't belong on the same field as Alabama. And then you got the Big Ten, who can't play with the SEC as well. Hey, regardless of whether you like Alabama or Georgia, how you feel about the SEC, one thing is not debatable. The SEC is clearly the best conference in college football once again. And if you're not going to expand the college football playoffs, in other words, if you're not going to include extra teams, don't let me have to watch Cincinnati again, please. Don't do it, all right? A bad, bad semifinal game with Alabama and Cincinnati. You have to play other teams than just one. 
All right, you can't have a cupcake vanilla schedule and get into the college football playoff. Uh-uh, doesn't work that way. Bad move, goodbye Cincinnati, see you later. And that's my rant for today. And that is my podcast for today. Always great being able to hear Sean Salisbury. Hey, coming up on the show on Friday, New York Yankee radio broadcaster Susan Waldman. She has some amazing stories. I had her on the podcast earlier in 2021. She was fabulous. Love listening to her. Again, she is an incredible storyteller. That's coming up on the show on Friday. Always great for you to... Check me out here on If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier and make it a great day. And once again, Happy New Year, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.